Our gospel lesson this morning is from the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, Al. And grace to you and peace from Jesus. Amen. How would you answer if Jesus asked you, who do you say that I am? Would you have an answer ready? I'm a pastor, and I've got to say that I am not sure I would have a solid response. And it's not because I haven't thought about Jesus. It's because my answer has meandered along with my life. Is Jesus a wise teacher who reveals insights that turn the world upside down? The zealot who flips tables and marches against injustice? The savior who bears my shame when it weighs my soul down? A friend who understands me when no one else will? A glimpse of the truth that God's reign is here, now, among the poor and sick and brokenhearted? The answer I would give depends on the season of life I am in. And it's not just me. Over the course of my lifetime, I think about how others might answer this question. Think about how your parents would respond. Think about how your children would respond. Think about someone who goes to the church you left before coming here. We're in the middle of the two major political parties' conventions, and I think it's worth noting that there are earnest people on both sides and no sides and in between all over the spectrum who have arrived at the convictions they hold by sincerely wrestling with Jesus' question of who do you say that I am, and they have wildly landed in different places. So how can that be? Who is right? 
do we ever really know who Jesus is? I think of the fable where a group of blind men describe an elephant to one another, and the one at the trunk says, well, the elephant is like a snake. But the one at the tusk says, no, the elephant feels like a spear. And the one at the ear says, no, the elephant is like a fan. And the one at the leg says, no, a tree. And they're all right. And they're all wrong. And if the lesson we took away from this scripture was that when we speak about God, we ought to do so with humility and make space for others to have valid insights beyond the boundaries of our own belief, that would be a fine lesson to learn. But chances are, you've been around someone who hasn't learned this lesson. Chances are, you've been made to feel at some point in your life like the answer you'd give about who Jesus is, is wrong, is less than. Like your faith in Jesus isn't real faith, that you don't know enough or have too many questions or can't get yourself to make your faith look how somebody tells you it's supposed to look like. I'd be willing to bet that you've heard someone say, well, you just can't be a Christian and do or believe something that you happen to do or believe in good faith. But maybe you feel like you can't find the words or cite the right Bible verses to be able to explain why you feel the way you do. And you walk away feeling like your faith is phony. It happens. Christians of all stripes tend to make idols out of our own way of believing. But we, by grace, have this scripture passage. And the next time you find yourself doubting if your faith is good enough, think about the words you hear from Jesus today. Think about it. The only one who could definitively define Jesus is Jesus himself. And he chooses to ask a question rather than give a once and for all definition. He doesn't bring his disciples aside to say, now this is what you need to know and believe about me. I'm God's only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, etc., etc. No, he brings his disciples aside away from the crowds and he asks them a question. What do you see in me? What in your soul has been stirred because of me? Who do you say that I am? And beyond any particular answer we might give about who Jesus is, beyond any way that that answer might meander its way throughout our life or diverge from our neighbors, we learn that Jesus is the one 
who wants to know what we have to say. He is the one who wants to hear from us, who cares about our voice. He's not giving us a quiz to see if we're right. He's asking because he knows that giving an answer to a question this big changes us. Knowing that our voice has a place can be transformative. When I served as a hospital chaplain for a summer, one of my first visits was to a man who had been in his hospital bed for over a month. I sat and I listened, steady and non-anxious like they taught us, trying to accompany this man as best as I could. And what this man did was yell at me. From the moment I stepped in to the moment I left, he did not let up. And as I left, he gave one last parting shot. Just so you know, chaplain, you didn't help me one bit. I went back to my supervisor feeling like a failure. I said, you know, I don't think I'm too good at this. I tried my best. I did everything I was supposed to do, and I couldn't help this man at all. And she said, Joel, why would you assume that this is about you? This man has been in a hospital for over a month. His life is out of control. He probably just needed a dog to kick. And you became that dog when you walked into the room. Is it fair? No. But sometimes being a chaplain is about, help, is about being what people need you to be. And I wouldn't be surprised if that made a difference somehow to this man. I went back and did my rounds, and when I made my final rounds that day, the floor nurse approached me and said, listen, I don't know what you did with our patient earlier today, but I need to thank you. He's been the calmest he's been all week. You must have really helped him take a load off. I think that's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is being the one who makes space for our voice so that in speaking, we are less burdened and more free. Jesus is the one who, in his humbleness, is willing to be seen by us in many ways as agitator or friend or savior or teacher or even the dog we need to kick. Having the correct answer to who Jesus is isn't the point. He doesn't care about that. What he cares about is you. And he asks this question out of that care, out of the hope that in answering, you are changed. This story is often framed as the revealing of Jesus. But did you know that it's Peter who is the one to be revealed here? Peter gives an answer, and the answer is about Jesus, but he's the one who's transformed. 
Because he answered that question, he is given a new name. He's given a call to build community in the church. He's given assurance that his work and his life are part of God's work and life. And he's given the promise that nothing, not even death and the power of hell, will ever be able to prevail against him. For Christ holds him fast. Jesus makes space to listen to Peter, and being listened to transforms him. What does it mean that Jesus, the one who we confess as God's embodied love on earth, asks us questions not to test us but to transform us? Who is this God that sends Jesus? Well, this must be a God of grace, a God who is content to make faith not a matter of us perfectly knowing and loving God, but of God's perfect love for us. And God shows that that's who God wants to be for us in Jesus. Everything that Jesus does is to reveal a God who desires to seek our good. Jesus isn't a Messiah that just sucks up all our praise and correct answers and proper beliefs for his own glory like a divine vacuum cleaner. Jesus is like a river, ever flowing outward and downward. And when you look in this river, all you might see at first is a reflection of yourself and where you are and your own perspective. But as soon as you step in, your course is changed and you end up getting swept out into the world and into the depths you hold within you. We answer who Jesus is and we end up learning who we are. We try to wade in this river to find its source, and we are pulled into God's flowing love for us and for this whole creation. And that love is so strong that Jesus says that nothing, not even the gates of Hades, can prevail against it. That might be hard to believe right now, Life is squeezing us from so many angles. What we're living through is hard. And what you might need from God might be different from what your neighbor needs. And maybe you need a teacher, or maybe you need a savior, or maybe you need an agitator, or maybe you just need a dog to kick in these times. And Jesus, in his grace, can be that for you. What matters to him is not that you give the right answer, but that you are given the space to be changed by his care. When so much is squeezing us right now, we don't have to be squeezed by the pressure of having to believe correctly. Don't let the fact that other people see Jesus differently than you make the way you see him feel inferior. Your faith is enough because Jesus makes it enough. He wouldn't pose the question if he didn't want to hear an answer from you. 
And that's what faith is, not being right, but being transformed by the answers we give. And I've got to say, by coming here, by making space for spiritual community, you are already giving an answer and being changed by the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And though your answers will look different from others, they put us in the same river, a river that belongs to no one, but in which we find our belonging. It's the river of God's grace, and it's wide enough for all, and it's strong enough to change us for good. Amen.